So what do you normally eat for breakfast? Bacon and eggs, you toast and jam person, chicken and waffles, maybe your biscuits and gravy, wheatgrass and kale, uh, maybe pizza and ice cream. Just, just me? Nobody else? Yeah, okay, I got one. I like that. Yeah, there's nothing more wonderful than cold pizza and ice cream for breakfast. It's fantastic. Have at it. Uh, imagine I go to my doctor, and the doctor does some blood work, and he runs some tests, and then he sits down with me later, and he goes, look, I looked at the blood work. Some of the test results came back. You, you're really going to have to change your eating habits, right? You have, you have to change the way you eat, you know? More, more wheat grass and less bacon, you know? Uh, more carrots and, and less, you know, donuts. Now, how am I going to respond to the doctor? Well, I mean, I'm going to find another doctor, right? I mean, gosh, you can't trust anybody that tells you not to eat bacon. Come on. No, I, I, I give it a shot. You know, I'm good. I, I know how to make a little effort, you know. I, I can quit sprinkling cinnamon and sugar on my bacon, and I'll start, you know, sprinkling wheatgrass powder on my bacon. You know, I mean, I'll give it a shot. I'll try. You know, I'll, I'll quit getting maple bacon donuts, and, you know, I'll, I'll go with the carrot cake donuts. You know, keep some vegetables in there. I, I, got, I know how to make a sacrifice when it comes to food. Now, really, I like my doctor. I trust my doctor, and if he were to give me advice like that, I would do everything I can to follow his advice. Why? Because in kindness, he is giving me information beforehand. He's giving me some information that's helpful to me before I need it. Beforehand information is, is really good, right? Having an early prognosis is really helpful. But what if the prognosis is about more than just eating habits? What if the beforehand information you get has an impact on more than just your medical, physical health? What if the beforehand information you get actually has a huge impact on you today, mentally and emotionally, but it also has an impact on your spiritual life after you die. That, that sounds like crazy math, right? Spiritual health after you die? Well, if that's the case, then, then this sounds like a much bigger deal than just adding some wheatgrass and some kale to your diet, right? There, there's a bigger picture with this specific beforehand information. So what is that information? Well, today we continue our series 7G, the speed you need. Each Sunday we're looking at a different G coming directly from the scriptures. Today we're going to ask Simon Peter to help us out. And our G for today is grow. Our message today is grow. Now the reason we're letting Peter help us is because of something specific that he says. He's writing to some Christians and these Christians were really struggling. They were really frustrated. They were having a hard time with the things happening in the world around them. A lot of fear, a lot of frustration with culture and society and things in the world. You know, we'll have a hard time making a connection, right? Because we don't have any fear or any frustration with society and culture and things in the world, right? No, we have just the same things. So Peter writes to them and he gives them a warning. And the warning is some beforehand information. And the warning is designed with some advice to help them stay safe. So what is this advice? 
Why did they need it? And what does it have to do with you right now? Well, let's see if we can find out. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 17, Peter writes, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men. Like a faithful doctor that's already seen the test results, Peter is giving them some beforehand information, and he's telling them to be on guard, to keep their guard up, to look out and to watch out. For what? What are they supposed to be on guard about? Well, specifically, they need to be on guard. They need to look out, watch out for unprincipled people, people who are unruly, people who are unlawful, the kind of people that are always trying to bend the rules to get their way or the kind of people that are using the rules to get their way people that are not focused on what is good and right and holy but they are focused mostly on what they want so we read that and it sounds like the kind of warning that we would say yeah we need to be on guard for crooked politicians and local and state and, and national government we need to be on guard for troublemakers at school. We need to be on guard for deceptive people that we work with. We need to be on guard for arrogant pundits on TV news. We need to be on guard for conspiracy demanders on talk radio. But it's not just those kind of folks that Peter is warning about. See, this warning is not just for outside stuff. It's also for inside stuff, inside the church. Sadly, it is very true that pastors and elders and deacons and church members and church staff and volunteers and teachers, they can be unprincipled and unruly and unlawful. And when I say they, I mean we. <laughs> Any of us can be these exact same things. So the picture here that Peter's trying to begin to paint for us is inside the church and outside of the church be on guard for how much you are influenced by people that do not first and most seek to honor God and obey God. Be careful with the influence. Don't just be carried away by their loud propaganda. Don't be carried away by their uh, behind-the-scenes complaining. Don't be carried away by their secretive tactics and their secretive gossip. Don't be carried away by the appearance of concern or the appearance of godliness. Why? Why should we be on guard that we're not carried away with unprincipled people who are not principled on the gospel first? Why should we be cautious about being carried away from people that will not make the gospel of Jesus their primary agenda? Here's why. Peter tells us, verse 17. Don't be carried away and fall from your own steadfastness. Be on guard so you won't fall. Now, Peter's not talking about tripping over Legos, okay? And he's also not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about losing your footing. He's talking about these moments in life when, especially as Christians, we lose our spiritual footing. And Peter knew all about losing your spiritual footing. On the night that Jesus was arrested, 
Peter became so overwhelmed with fear, with, with worry, with stress, with anxiety, with confusion, that he actually eventually denied that he even knew who Jesus was. Denied that he even knew Jesus. But Jesus was praying for him. So Peter lost his footing, but he only lost it temporarily. Hours before Peter denied Jesus, this is what Jesus said to him. Luke 22, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This is one of the most exciting phrases in all of the Bible. When once again you have turned. Peter was going to lose his footing. He was going to wander. He was going to fall off the path. For, for a moment, in a sense, his faith was going to fail. But Jesus was praying that it would only be temporary. And when Jesus prays, it's not a, a hopeful prayer. It is a precious promise. When Jesus prays, it's going to happen. So Jesus tells Peter, look, you're going to lose your footing. It's going to happen. But I'm praying that after a short amount of time that you're going to get back up again. And it's going to happen. You're going to turn. You're going to follow. Your energy for me is going to be renewed. That's the background behind why Peter's writing this. See, Peter understood exactly what it meant to lose your spiritual footing. So he's writing so that we would know, hey, here is a super important reason to be on guard so that you don't fall away, so that you don't lose your footing. It wasn't with unprincipled people, but I can remember years ago, uh, I, I lost my footing one day. We were coming back from seeing my in-laws in Arkansas. We were about, maybe about two hours from home, and the car broke down on the interstate. So I'm thinking, if I'm right, the kids are like maybe 10, 8, 6, and 4, something like that. I don't know, that's a lot of math. So they were, they were, under, they were all under 10, to my memory. And, and I remember, you know, here we are, you know, I'm, I'm on the side of the interstate, and I'm like, ah, and it was the water pump. So I was like, man, what am I going to do? So just by God's kindness and grace, I was able to, to get off at an exit. I was able to find uh, uh, a... Uh, there's a word I'm looking for, a mechanic. I was able to find a mechanic. Uh, there was a hotel within walking distance. I think there was a McDonald's right there too. So, you know, I mean, I had a little vanilla ice in me. You know, if there's a problem, you know, I'm going to solve it right then, right there. You know, I'm, I'm going to take care of the moment. So the first day was fine. Second day, not so good. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're at the hotel. You know, we're waiting on the part to come in. A really nice mechanic is helping out, but... You know, we're kind of stuck, not really sure exactly what's going to go on. So second day, yeah, I was, I was, I was a little frustrated. You know, the, the stress and anxiety of the whole moment, moment started overwhelming me, and I was having a pretty solid pity party. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus still intercedes just like he did for Peter. And on that day in Dowley, Jesus was praying for me to turn once again. And through a few Bible verses, through a couple of super helpful people, and through one particular hymn, 
God pulled me back together and I, and I got my footing again. Listen, we're, we're all going to lose our footing, okay? It, it's going to happen. Our, our spiritual footing is going to go away. And what kind of things cause us to lose our footing like that? Fear, worry, arrogance, laziness, stubbornness, ignorance, things like that. But not just things like that. Peter's reminding us sometimes we'll get carried away, we'll lose our footing because we'll start listening to unprincipled people. The picture that he's painting really throughout his two letters, he always comes back to the idea of false teachers, trying to, to warn Christians not to be duped by false teachers. You know, it seems like every month there's a, a new best-selling book in the Christian world. You know, this book that you just got to get, you got to read, and you got to change your whole life around it. And if it's not a book, it might be a, a video series from your denomination or an evangelism program from the denomination. There always seems to be some new thing that you got to buy this and you, and you got to do this and you got to change your life around it. Now, that doesn't mean that all those books and all those programs and all those videos are, are taught and created by false teachers, not at all. It just means we have to be careful how much we are chasing after anything that's not the simple, basic, glorious truth of the gospel found in God's word. What you need the most, what I need the most is not the new and best, not even the old tried and true. What we need is the truth of God's word. That's what we need the most. We need to be on guard that we're not chasing after the latest religious fad. But we also need to be on guard that we're not chasing too hard after our favorite religious tradition. Peter gives us exactly what we need to be chasing after. Listen to what he says in verse 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what the doctor is saying to you when he gives you that advice about your test results? What he's saying is this, so I've got the test results and, and medically speaking, you need to start doing some things different. You, you kind of need to become a different person. If, if you're overweight, that may be you have to have some more exercise and, and less sweets. If you're scrawny and undernourished, then maybe you need to have more exercise and start eating more pasta. But, but regardless, there's, there's something different. There's something you need to start doing. In a sense, you need to become the person that he's asking you to be, medically speaking. So let's switch from medical and take it to spiritual. And here's the question. If you're a Christian, what kind of Christian should you be? Just chew on that for about five more seconds. What kind of Christian should you be? Peter says you need to be a growing Christian. To be a, a non-growing Christian is kind of an oxymoron. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. The very nature of what it means to be a Christian is that you should be growing. The best way for you to be on guard is to be growing as a Christian. The best way for you to protect yourself from unprincipled people is to be growing as a Christian. The best way for you to help yourself not lose your spiritual footing is for you to be growing as a Christian. Listen, there are no perfect Christians. 
But every Christian should be a growing Christian. We must be making progress. We must be moving forward. When my oldest son was five years old, uh, it seemed that very often he would say to me, Daddy, I want to go to McDonald's. It just seemed like it was, you know, multiple times a week. And so finally he'd ask so much. One day I just said, hey, buddy, here, here's the car keys, man. Uh, you just you can drive yourself, be safe, top off the gas on your way home, uh, have a good time. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> but see, eventually things changed. You know, he, he no longer asked me to take him to McDonald's. He, he no longer says, hey, I, I want to go to McDonald's. See, he, he has his own car now. He, he drives his own car, his own very loud car that he bought with his own money. And I don't, I don't take him those places anymore. What happened? What changed? Here's what happened. All along, he's been growing. He's been growing. The most natural thing for Bryce from this morning forward is that he would grow as a Christian. The most natural thing, if you're a Christian, is that you would be growing as a Christian. If you are older than me, in theory, you should understand the Bible better than me. <laughs> if you've been a Christian longer than I have. Because you've had more time to read, more time to study. See, we should all be growing as Christians. We're not perfect, but there should be growth. We should be growing along. One of the saddest things in the whole universe is a professing Christian that kind of hangs around the church during their life, but they never grow up in Christ. It's sad for two reasons. It's sad because it hurts the church. It hurts the witness of the church. It hurts the gospel. The whole concept that as Southern Baptists, we have this thing called inactive members is crazy. It's crazy that there's such a thing on our office computers as inactive members. People who live in our community, who go everywhere they want to go, but do not plug themselves into the life of the church where they claim their membership. That's strange at the very least. We're not perfect. But we should be growing. We should be growing. Pastors, elders, deacons, church members, church volunteers, church staff. There are people that are part of the church that can't stand and look in the mirror and tell themselves the basic truths of the gospel. It shouldn't be that way. True Christians should be growing Christians. We should be enjoying the gospel. And how should we be growing? Growing in what? Peter helps us. He says we should be growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's look at those separate just for a second. We should be growing in the grace of Jesus Christ, and we should be growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So what's the grace of Jesus Christ? Well, grace is undeserved favor. If you're a Christian, you did not get what you deserve. If you've received the salvation of Jesus Christ, you got what you don't deserve. If you're a believer, you've been rescued from the domain of darkness, you've been transferred into the family of God, and all of this has been done through Jesus. 
You do not get invited into the family of God based on your performance. You get invited into the family of God based on the performance of Jesus Christ on the cross. Peter says, grow in that. So if those things are true, if if that's what grace is, then that means at the very least what it means to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ is that you would grow less selfish, you would grow less arrogant, you would grow less boastful. Why? Because you realize what has been done for you and to you. Paul was writing the folks at the church at Ephesus. He said this, Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You aren't made right right with God because of something that you do. You don't have access and gain access to heaven because of something you do. You are made right with God because what Jesus has done. You are made right with God. You have access to heaven because of what Jesus has done. Grace is the gift of God. That's how grace gets to you from God, through Christ, and through Christ alone. So, how do you protect yourself? from getting carried away with unprincipled people, unruly people, unlawful people? How do you protect yourself from getting carried away with false teachers? How do you protect yourself from losing your spiritual footing over and over and over again? How do you protect yourself from from unhealthy obsessions with fear and, and worry and arrogance and laziness and stubbornness and ignorance. How do you avoid these things? How do you work through these things? Where is the help for these things? All of the help is growing in the grace of Jesus Christ. Growing in the grace of Jesus Christ is what helps you the most as you walk through this life. I love this definition of growing in grace by Brian Bell. Growing is falling down and getting up. Falling down and getting up. Falling down and getting up all the way to heaven. That's it. It's losing your footing and standing up, getting up. It's turning back again. I was driving back from my parents yesterday afternoon and and, in a song came on the radio and uh, it's, it's an, an older song uh, by Stephen Curtis Chapman and, and, it, and the chorus of the song is, says take another step take another step when the road feels impossible when it feels long, when you feel like you can't do anything take another step take another step take another step to grow in grace is to fall down, to lose your footing but to get your footing again in the gospel See, the the fuel and the energy of getting back up is found right here too. Peter is saying, you grow in grace when you're growing in the knowledge of Jesus. It's a both and. When you're growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you'll be growing in grace. When you're growing in knowing Jesus and enjoying Jesus, you'll be growing in grace. So, how can we know Jesus more? What's the the best place we can look for more information and more knowledge about Jesus? Well, we can't look any better place than the Bible, God's Word. 
It is in the Bible that we find the best fuel for our hearts and our minds and our soul. It is in the scripture that we find the best fuel to help us grow in grace. If you're a Christian, the one question that we need to consistently be asking ourselves is this. How's my appetite for the Bible? How's my appetite for the Bible? Look, I know where my appetite is for bacon and donuts and fried chicken and um, I'm telling you what, some baked carrots and baked broccoli are my new thing. Gosh, I love them. I know where my appetite is for certain foods, okay? But where's your appetite for the Bible? Are you finding ways to devote yourself to the treasures found in the pages of the Bible? Timmy has done an amazing job of putting together a, a Bible reading list um, you can find it on our website under Truth to Grow On tab, or you can pick one up in the back hall. Uh, it's, you, know, you may have made a lot of commitments four or five weeks ago. Hey, New Year, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to lose five pounds. I'm going to you know, quit eating bacon, whatever it is. You know? But hey, it's been a few weeks. So if you're off track, guess what? Today's the best day to start. You know, just, just get back on track again. If you lost your spiritual footing, it's okay. Turn once again. Just, just get back up again. Find ways to devote yourself to the truth of the treasures of the Bible. And listen, we don't read and study and apply the Bible just as some kind of academic exercise. We don't read and, and study and apply the Bible so that we can earn extra credit at church and get those premium communion wafers. You know, I mean, there, there isn't this, this ball game with reading God's word. We read and we study and we apply the Bible for one reason, and here it is. We love Jesus. That's, that's why we read the Bible. We don't do it because we have to. We do it because we get to. Jesus rescued us. He redeemed us. He saved us. He and he alone transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light because of our love for Jesus. We say, give me more treasure. I want more treasure. So let me just, let me just encourage you, let you off the hook a little bit because I would say most all of us, somewhere in our mind, uh, Bible's too hard to read. Ah, I don't understand all of it. Ah, it just is such a big book. Ah, 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 ah. Get rid of you. Ah. I promise there is nothing that will do your soul more good than to interact and engage with the truth of God's Word. I, I don't know how to explain it, to tell you the truth, but there's something to it. And the biggest thing is this. The more time you spend there, the more you will grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, things change. The old hymn put it this way, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. I love that part. Fills my every longing. Every long. what are you longing for right now? What are you longing for with your spouse? What are you longing for with your kids? What are you longing for from, from work or from your health or from your you know, medical life? What, what are you longing for? Whatever it is, there's no comparison to what it means to long for Jesus because he satisfies needs. He satisfies the, the needs of our, our heart and our mind and our soul. Every single longing. To see and to know and to enjoy Jesus that's the greatest and most valuable treasure in the universe. 
The reason Peter's giving this warning, the reason he's saying, hey, you know, watch out, be on guard so that you don't get carried away because if you get carried away, you'll lose your footing. And if you lose your footing, you will detach yourself from the greatest treasure in the universe. Don't detach yourself from the greatest treasure in the universe. Grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow, grow, grow. And grow at your own pace. We ain't keeping score around here, all right? Just grow. As, as God is leading you, grow. Keep moving forward. Take another step. Take another step. Take another step. You know, the Winter Olympics in Beijing just started. I think yesterday was the, was the first day of events. And maybe you've already watched some of those. And, and I remember a, a story that I read years ago about a, a former Olympic athlete. Uh, his name is John Stephen Aquari. Aquari was a marathon runner for Tanzania. He competed in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. When he was running his marathon early on in the race, he fell. It was a bad fall. He banged his shoulder up really bad. He dislocated his knee. And so they treated him, and he started running again. I mean, if I scratch my D, I'm laid out with donuts and bacon and Tylenol, you know. He dislocated his knee and kept running a marathon. He kept running and kept running in pain with intense cramps. He just kept running. There were 54 people that were entered into that particular marathon. 17 of them didn't finish because the race was so grueling and they didn't dislocate their knee. But Aquari crossed the finish line. He was the last person to cross the finish line. He came in last place. And afterwards, he was asked, why did you keep running? I mean, gosh, you, you were hurt pretty bad. Why, why didn't you just peace out? And this was his somewhat now famous response. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. Dear Christian, Jesus did not save you to be carried away by false teachers. Jesus did not save you to be carried away by unprincipled, unruly, unlawful people. Jesus did not save you to chase after religious fads or to chase after religious traditions. Jesus saved you so that you could grow and grow and grow and grow in the grace and the knowledge of knowing him because knowing him is the most satisfying reality in the universe. You know, this is a world of instability, right? Things are, are very unstable. My oldest sister has a birthday this week, so we celebrated yesterday at my mom and dad's house and so for fun I was like hey let's see what some of the prices were back in 1960 when you were born it's crazy I could, the average salary of the year I think the average annual salary was like $5,300 man I mean it, it, it's just nuts when you think about how things have changed we live in a world of instability but 
there is stability to be found. Someone said this, the most stable Christian is a growing Christian. So, how, how stable are you these days? Look, we're all going to have our moments, all right? And we're going to have pressure points, and, and difficult things are going to happen in marriage and parenting and taking care of our aging parents. There's, there's all kind of things that will happen in life. But how's your stability? What's your stability look like? Because a stable Christian is a, a growing Christian. So, for the glory of God, for the good of your family, for the good of your friends, and for the stability of your own heart, your own mind, and your own soul. Grow, grow, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ because Jesus saved us not just to run the race. Jesus saved us to grow and to finish the race. So, may we finish well.